I want to just start if, start with the Bible. Uh, we're going to dive right in. Mark chapter 1, I want you to grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, then you can use a smartphone. I simply want to take you through a, a few passages of Scripture quickly. What I want to do is I want to, is I want to give you a quick foundation, a quick framework. And I want you to notice how often in the first five chapters of Mark that Jesus confronts demonic or darkness. So we'll start with Mark chapter 1. And again, I'm going to go through these quickly. <clears throat> Mark 21, or Mark 1, 22. Mark 1, 22, The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So it's an unclean, impure spirit recognizes the authority of Jesus. Let's turn the page. Go to verse 32. Same chapter, verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick. And what else? Demon-possessed, okay? Keep going. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. So now your physical aspect, but then he does this. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let them speak. Go down just a few more verses to verse number 39. 39, so we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and what? Driving out demons. Look at how often Jesus is not only sort of dealing with the physical ailments, but he's also dealing with demonic forces. Let's go a little further uh, to, uh, to three, chapter 3. Go to 3.11, verse number 11. <clears throat> and again, we see that phrase, impure spirit. So I, I believe it's translated unclean spirit as well. Verse 11, whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, you are the son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Go down a couple verses. Verse number 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to do what? And to have authority to what? To drive out demons. This is, a, this is his disciples. He gives them authority to drive out demons. It's, it's fascinating. Let's keep going. Uh, let's see. I want you to go to now Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, one of my favorite parables. Oops, looks like we got a talking Talking Bible over there. <clears throat> Mark chapter 4. Now, in the parable of the sower, when Jesus interprets the parable, notice what he says. Verse number 14. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan, it's not just like, you know, he, he, he attributes it to a specific force. Okay. He doesn't just leave it up to, like, randomness. Jesus says as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. 
So it's not just like a random force, right? Luring people away. Jesus says, no, it's Satan. And, and so he's helping us to see demonic opposition when we invite our friends to church. They hear the word of God. They're like, I like that. I think I'm coming back, man. They come back. And then two months later, it's like they don't want anything to do with church. And you're like, what happened? I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really buy into it. And I'm busy. And my, my girlfriend says I shouldn't go. And, and uh, all of a sudden, my boss wants to schedule me on Sunday. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on and on, right? Satan is in opposition from that word. And then finally, Mark chapter, or Mark chapter 4 still, I'm sorry. Go to verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also another, other boats with him. A furious squall came, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. All right, now, I know that you look at that verse and you don't see explicitly the word Satan or spirit or demon, but here's what you do need to know. Some, many scholars believe that the waters in ancient Near Eastern religions and cultures, that the waters, this is very common in academic circles, by the way, the waters represented darkness, chaos, rebellion. This is why we see in Genesis, what is it, 1-1, uh, through verse 2, right? The spirit hovered over the waters. There's something going on in the opening pages of scripture, right? There's the spirit of God, and there's what? The opposite of it. Foreboding waters, chaos, rebellion. There's a force. There's something against that. And so from the very beginning pages of scripture, we see that there is a supernatural realm. There's something else going on. There is very real opposition, okay? So I wanted to just point those verses. You can keep, keep going on your own in your own private time. Just go through a gospel. Take a pen. Every time you see demon or spirit or you know, Satan, circle it, underline it, and you'll be surprised at how often Jesus is confronting spiritual forces of darkness, okay? It's very, very often. We're going to go ahead and switch to your, um, to your handout now. And I want you to look at this scale. This is something that I just simply came up with. This is not something that uh, you, know, you can find anywhere else. At least I don't think you can anyways. Um, when we think of spiritual conflict, we tend to lean towards one extreme or the other. And so on the left-hand side, there's underemphasis. And on the right-hand side, there's overemphasis. And those are your two blanks there, okay? Two primary sort of... Uh, ways that we lean into spiritual conflict or spiritual warfare, what I've discovered is that where you land on this scale has a lot to do with your spiritual upbringing. If you grew up reformed, perhaps Lutheran, maybe even, maybe not Catholic, because Catholics tend to lean towards this darkness a lot. Um, maybe even Baptist. Now, I'm speaking in generalizations, so don't be offended, okay? Um, this is, I've been a pastor for over 12, 13 years now. 
This is just what I've seen. People with a high view of the scripture background, Reformed Baptists, they tend to underemphasize the darkness or the spiritual realm. It's like, and what, what that, when they do that, it's a little bit of like saying, you know what? It's, it's our postmodern, post-enlightenment thinking. Oh, those silly Christians are always talking about spiritual darkness and spiritual warfare. Everything's a demon. Oh, I've just heard it so often. I've, you know, and, and you, if you say that, it may be true. <laughs> Maybe your circle is overemphasizing the darkness, but it might, it might not be true. Maybe you're underemphasizing it in your own life, Okay. Now, the other side is an overemphasis. Um, people blame every sin, right? Every conflict, every problem on demons and the need to cast them out. It's like, hey, I was, I was late for work today, that stupid demon. No, you just have to set your alarm earlier, get up earlier, right? And, and you need to get to work on time. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a demon, just get your butt out of, of bed, right? And so there's, a, there's also an overemphasis on uh, the spiritual realm. I want to show you a quote from Michael Heiser. He's actually an Old Testament scholar. <clears throat> Some things here. We talked about those, okay? Michael Heiser, The Unseen Realm. This is a, it is a pretty academic book, uh, but it's phenomenal. I want you to notice what he says, and he, he tends to lean more on the academic side. So think about that. He's more academic than he is like Pentecostal or charismatic, right? Because that's where you would see more of the spiritual realm emphasized, okay? Non-denom, spirit-filled church like Radiant. He says this, seeing the Bible through the eyes of an ancient reader requires shedding the filters of our traditions and presumptions. They, meaning the ancient Near Eastern cultures, they process life in supernatural terms. Listen to this, today's Christians process it by a mixture of creedal statements and modern rationalism. That's fascinating. He, Michael Heiser is saying, no, no, today's Christians, we underemphasize right, the spiritual darkness, the spiritual realm. Creedal statements are great. Creedal statements simply mean, I believe. I believe, right? That's a creedal statement. But modern rationalism basically is always trying to, or the Post-enlightenment thought is always trying to say, well, let's, have a, let's, let's figure out an explanation for this. It's not the spiritual realm. Let's just let's figure out how, you know, it's like, okay, okay. They're never looking at uh, sort of the spiritual realm uh, as a cause for things. And Michael Heiser says, yeah, that's a, that's a problem right now in Christianity. I think the key to successful spiritual warfare or conflict is finding um, some sort of biblical balance Jesus, sometimes in the scripture, he does cast demons out of people, doesn't he? We see that. But other times, Jesus healed people with no mention of the demonic. Okay? The Apostle Paul, listen to this, instructs Christians to wage war against the sin in themselves. It's Romans 6. Okay, that's kind of the, the, the practical side. He also warns us to what? to oppose the schemes of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6. What's Paul doing? Both and. He's showing us both and. So, when it comes to spiritual warfare, <clears throat> where should we be on this scale? Okay, Where should we be on this scale? Well, I'm going to argue for a view that is somewhere down the middle 
Is it possible? Well, I hope so. And I, I do think it is possible. Knowing that, because of your personalities, everyone's got to, we're wired differently. Because of the way that you grew up, you grew up Baptists more, more we, don't, we don't raise our hands in church. We don't even like electric guitars. God forbid somebody have a drum set. Oh, my God, we're going to go to hell, right? Um, God forbid that, right? Um, we, don't, we don't lift up our hands. We, we say we, we don't want to show emotion because we've never read the Psalms, apparently. Um, you may have grown up on that side, okay? And so, excuse me for poking fun. That's just what I do, okay? Um, but listen, I think there's a, there's a, we're going to lean towards one part or the other. It's natural because of our personalities, okay? Um, I would like to say this. There isn't a demon behind every bush, but perhaps maybe there's a demon behind every third bush, <laughs> all right? It's not a demon behind every bush, but perhaps every third bush. I have a, this is meant to be funny, by the way. I want you to notice what's behind the third bush. It's a cat, all right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, if you, I, I, I do like cats, personally, but it's just a joke, all right? It's just a joke, all right? All right, let's keep going. <laughs> all right, <clears throat> as we think, <laughs> right? All right, as we think about spiritual conflict, um, we'll continue on in our notes. The Bible tells us that warfare is carried out on three fronts, on three different fronts, and we'll get there in just a moment. But I want you to know. I, I just I want you to think about think about when you think about um, our military. Our military uh, constructs warfare on three different fronts. There's the ground with the t army tanks and ground soldiers at sea, battleships and whatnot. And of course the Air Force, right? Three different fronts. It's very similar in spiritual conflict. Uh, and let me show you those to you right now. The, th the three different fronts are the world, okay? The world, the flesh, and the devil. So when we think about spiritual conflict, a lot of charismatics, I would consider myself to be charismatic. A lot of charismatics only talk about the devil, okay? But we want to we want to we want to even that out and we want we, we also want to give attention to the world and to the flesh. Why? Because the New Testament talks a lot about that. I'll show you, okay? I'll show you a little bit of that in, in just a moment here. Okay, the world of flesh. Okay, we've all heard of the, the Trinity, right? The Trinity. Some scholars call this the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity. Let's keep going. Um, I want to show you a passage and, and you have it there. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3, 1 through 3. This is kind of where Paul brings all three of these up in the same context. This is pretty fascinating. I never, I've never noticed this until I, uh, I took a closer look at this. I have it up here if you don't have a Bible, but I'd like you to, you can have your Bibles there as well. Now, I've underlined some things for you to see how Paul uses all three of these in, in the same context. I'm going to go ahead and read it. As for you, you were dead in your transgression transgressions and sin, sins in which you used to live when you followed, what does it say? The ways of this world, right? There are ways to our world, if you haven't figured that out. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who's that? Satan, right? It's the devil. The ruler, he calls him the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit, listen, the spirit who is now at work, and who? Those who are disobedient. Do you know anyone who's disobedient to God? I know some people. Okay. 
I know some people. The, the spirit of the ruler of the kingdom is at work in them. Just so we're very, very clear. All of us lived among them at one time because he's writing to Christians, right? What did we do? Well, we gratified the cravings of our what? Flesh. That's right. Following what? It's desires and thoughts, right? Mainly uh, sex sexual, uh, sensual, thoughts of um, physical, like eating, like lack of self-control, right? Those types of things, right? Like the rest, we were, past tense, past tense, by nature deserving of wrath. That's what we deserved. That's what Paul says, okay? He says, were though, that's the key to this text. If you're in Christ, this is what you used to participate in, okay? You used to participate in the ways of this world. Now, we still do because, we, I know, we do sin at times, of course. Uh, the devil and the flesh, okay? Let's, let's look at the, um, <clears throat> like at the, word, the word flesh first. Okay. I'm going to get a drink of water quickly. The word flesh is the Greek word sarx in the Greek. Kind of a cool word. <clears throat> okay. It refers to our sinful nature okay. or the animalistic cravings of our body apart from God. Animalistic cravings of our body apart from God. We all deal with the sin nature, right? That, that, that thing that rises up inside of you. You can't tell me what to do. Do whatever I want to do. I'm my own boss. Right? Leave me alone. I don't need to be under anyone's authority. It's that thing that rises up in you. I'll have what I'll have. I'll eat what I want to eat, thank you very much. I'll look at what I want to look at. It's my, right? It's, it's all about me, that sinful nature, those passions and hungers that we all uh, do battle with. Look, notice what Paul says. Or Hold on, sorry. Uh, excuse me, I'm going out of order here. Uh, the flesh, some people call this our disordered desires. Disordered desires. Okay. We're going to look at Romans 7, 15 through 23. I have it up here, but you can turn there if you'd like to. Paul writes, he says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what, what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So the law is good, Paul says, as it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's what? It's sin living in me, he says. For, for I know the good itself does not dwell in me. He's like, I'm not really good. <laughs> um, it's my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, right? But I cannot carry it out. Have you ever been there? I have the desire. I have, you tell your wife, I, I have the desire to only eat one slice of pizza, but I ate the whole pizza. I'm sorry, babe. Right? <laughs> I, I really wanted to share some with you and the kids, but I, I ate the whole thing, right? <laughs> For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, lots of do's here, right? It is no longer I who do it, but it, is, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Okay, So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, he was right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Right? He's truly delighting in God's law. 
But there's something else at work, Paul says. I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me, right? That, that beautiful woman passes by. You can acknowledge that she's beautiful, but then the sin nature wants to just stare at her, right? Like, uh, no, uh, you're like, oh, I cannot, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, so there's something at work within you, right? Your wife is sick, and you need to clean the house and serve her, but you, you would rather not, you'd, you'd rather be doing something else, watching sports, right? Um, hanging out with friends. And you know that the right thing to do is to serve and to be a servant because that's what Christ called you to do, right? But in your heart, you're like, oh, man, I just, this sucks, right? You're like, I, I want to do something else, right? There's something at work within Paul he talks about, the flesh, the sinful nature, okay? This is the cry of every person, right? Things that we know we should be doing, but we don't always do them. And then we, when we want to do the right thing, there's a force um, against us in opposition, the flesh, the sinful nature. Let's talk about the world. And thank you for the, uh, the halls, Anne. I think that was Anne who gave me that. The world. The world refers to human systems that operate in ungodly ways. Human systems that operate in ungodly ways. Your notes have a definition somewhat. These are the ideologies, the patterns of thinking, agendas, narratives that are now accepted as normal, okay, and being pushed down our throats by media, big tech, government, and even education. The normalization of homosexuality, the transgender movement, okay? These different things. I'm, I'm not here to wage war with people. I'm simply telling you these are the things that are prominent in our culture, okay? <clears throat> Dallas Willard, who's a um, theologian, well, never mind. I'll get there in a second. Another author, this is the way I've, well, this is the way I've defined it, and I think I got this years ago from someone else. The world is, is otherwise defined as worldly systems that operate apart from God and against God. Spirit of Babylon, right? It's the spirit of Babylon. The systems that work apart from God and against God. Now we can look at a, a quote from uh, Dallas Willard here. Dallas Willard says this, the world equals our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. I think there's a blank there for you. Yep, our cultural Social practices that are under the control of Satan. <clears throat> Jerry Brashear is another uh, pretty well-known theologian. He's co-written a lot of books with pastors. He tends to uh, team up with many sort of popular-level pastors to supply found, uh, sound theology. He says the world is Satan's domain. 
where his authority and values reign. Though his deception makes that hard to realize. Isn't that interesting? If you are of the world, listen, <laughs> then it all seems right. <laughs> if you're of the world, then it just seems normal. And if you're being deceived, it's hard to recognize, right? It's hard to recognize. It's like, oh man. Why? Because you're just, you're, you're beginning to accept it as a norm, right? This is just how it is, right? This is just the way the world goes. I don't know how many times I've had, and I mean, seriously, in the last three months, parents come up to me and say, what do I do? My kids are hanging around other kids who claim to be a raccoon, who identify as a raccoon, or identify as this, or, or this. Or this is what they're being taught. I'm like, right, that's, a, that's a heavy conversation. It's one that I approach with humility, but it's real. Not throwing shade at the education system necessarily, but I am talking about the world, right? What we experience in culture, the people around us. This is just kind of the norm now that we face, right? <clears throat> Let's keep going. The world shows up 186 times in the New Testament. Isn't that fascinating? Okay. Secularism, postmodernism, these are all systems of the world. Um, we sometimes do participate in them, right? The Apostle John uses the phrase often. Um, 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Here's what John says. He says, do not love what? The world. Okay, he's not necessarily talking about the physical world here, you guys. Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, now he's going to give his, his definition now. Lust of the flesh, right? the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Oops, I forgot to, to underline this one, but several times within those verses, John um, refers to this, okay? Pretty, pretty amazing. And then finally, let's go to the devil, okay? The devil. <clears throat> the devil's a fallen angel, okay? Uh, who is turned from God. Uh, we see the, <clears throat> the word Jesus uses, diabolos. Uh, it's actually a verbal root word meaning the slander, to slander or to accuse. Um, three times Jesus calls him, or John calls him, the prince of this world. The prince of this world. Three things that we should consider when it comes to the devil. Okay. The devil's real, okay? The devil's real. And I wrote down, he's not a myth or a fragment of an overactive imagination or a cute cartoon character, right? Again, we, we, we tend to lean that way if, if we're not so, or if we've, have, we've had a bad taste in our mouth from a previous church. Uh, maybe they were too spiritual. You, you thought they were too spiritual anyways, uh, your opinion. Um, you might lean like, oh, the devil's just kind of a cartoon. He's not, he's not a big deal anymore. But that's not true. He's real, right? He's not just a, a, a cartoon or a cute character, right? He has more power or influence than any other creature in the universe after God, right? This is, he's real. He's real. Number two, the devil, or his end goal, excuse me, is to spread not joy and flowers, okay, but death. 
Okay? His, his goal is to spread death. Of course, we know what John said, or Jesus says in John 8. He was a murderer from the beginning, right? We, we know this language. Okay? And then <clears throat> number three, how does he do so? Well, his means is lies. Okay? Lies. Jesus calls him the father of lies. In other words, the origin point of deception. He, the devil, excuse me, the Satan, is what? The great deceiver. He's the great deceiver, right? Lies. About two months ago, I, I did a teaching for my staff called The, the Lies That We Believe. And we, we looked at John 8 um, uh, specifically and more intensely. And we talked about some of the lies that we commonly believe. We don't even know that we're believing them unless we take inventory of our thought processes. Well, I'm not good enough, or uh, I'm never going to save enough for retirement, or uh, my wife doesn't think I'm attractive anymore, or, I mean, just, I mean, just, just go on and on and on, right? The, the millions of lies that we potentially can agree. And so we took inventory of our thoughts in that staff meeting, and we just spent some time in quiet sort of reflection with the Lord. And we just like, God, what, what lies are we believing in that because we're believing in them, we're now participating with those lies. It's so easy to do so unknowingly, right? <clears throat> see, where are we at here? Okay. All right. So from Scripture, we see that the citizens, or we are citizens of either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. Every non-Christian is literally blinded by the demonic and cannot see the light of the gospel. Every Christian is owned, or every non-Christian is owned by the devil. Now, if you don't believe this, you're actually displaying a non-biblical worldview. But if you do believe this, can I just say it should make a difference in how you pray for others? Now, I'm not saying go and call people demons. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Beelzebub, get out. Right. No, 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 no. But you need to recognize. Okay. And I'll give you some real practical examples uh, a little later. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 4 quickly. Paul says, The God of this age, what? Has blinded the minds of unbelievers. I mean, how much more, how much more explicit does, can that be in Scripture? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, on Sunday mornings, I often pray, Father, would you, would you open blind eyes? I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about physical things. That would be great, though, if someone was healed physically. I promise you, I'd be leaping for joy. What I'm actually talking about is your spiritual eyes. Because I know that on any given Sunday, there's at least 5 to 15 people who are not really sold into the Christian message, the gospel. Guaranteed. Now, I know that you can't recognize that, but I hear a lot of stories from people on an individual basis. Guaranteed, every single Sunday, 5 to 15 people sitting around you somewhere that are not sold out, not sold into the message. And you're like, no, everybody looks cool here. They're dressed nice. They seem to have, have it all together. It's crap, Okay. It's not the truth. So I pray, oh, Father in heaven, would you open blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, and soften hardened hearts. That is a strategic prayer. That is a warfare prayer that I'm praying. 
Okay? That in this house, Father, your spirit has dominion. Right? And so you do the things that I cannot do. I cannot soften another man's heart or another woman's heart. I cannot open blind eyes. I cannot do that, nor can you. But the gospel of Jesus Christ can. The spirit of the living God can do those things, right? Remember Acts chapter 9? Something like scales falls off of Saul's eyes. Uh, That's not simply a physical healing. I believe that Luke is trying to show us that it represents in the spiritual what happens when we're converted and we're able to see and to receive the gospel. Here's what we've talked about. We've been infected by sin, and our, and our flesh desires to do what's contrary to the Spirit. We all know this. We've all experienced this, right? When our pride, our ego gets bruised, right? Uh, when, when, we have, uh, when we're tempted to look at someone, a female, in ways that we shouldn't look at, all those ways, right? That's the flesh. Second, we've, sometimes we, we're, we've participated in, in multiple world systems. Those can manifest in our thought patterns. Finally, we've all at one time followed and have been owned by the devil, the prince of the air. He is the spirit who's at work in those who are disobedient. Okay? We'll keep going in your notes here. So spiritual warfare takes place now in two arenas. So we talked about the world flesh and the devil. We're going to go to two different arenas now. Okay? Worldview and experience. So we're kind of nailing down Worldview and experience. Now, I want to show you something. <clears throat> um, in the last three months, a lot of um, what John Thompson has wrote in his book, uh, Deliverance, has really um, influenced the way I think about spiritual warfare. Um, it's pretty heavy. It's, the first half is pretty academic. The second half is f- phenomenal. Uh, he's a pastor. He also has a, a doctorate. Um, and this, this has been shaping a lot of what uh, 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 I believe. Also, maybe some of you have heard of Bondage Breakers by Neil Anderson. That's good stuff. It's been around for a long time. Bondage Breakers deals with, he calls them, I think it's truth confrontations or, or, lie, or confronting lies, I think it is. Uh, Neil Anderson, that's some solid stuff. It's kind of spooky a little bit sometimes, but it is super solid. A Derek Prince. Um, not to be confused with Joseph Prince, okay? <laughs> Joseph Prince, I think, is a little more on the prosperity gospel side, okay? Uh, so I don't, I don't uh, condone Joseph Prince. I don't listen to him. Derek Prince, you may have not heard him. Derek Prince is actually a brilliant man. Um, I'm reading a book right now called They Shall Expel Demons. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. But it's pretty, I'm, I'm honestly like, he's actually, I think he has a doctorate or at least a master's degree. Um, it's super solid stuff, I think. Now, you know what I always recommend? Yeah, use your own discernment. I, I get that, right? Okay, use your own discernment. You're smart. You, you love God. Yeah, use the spirit of God. But those are some of the things that I've been reading that have influenced the way. Um, Mark, John Mark Comer wrote a book um, recently, a few months ago. Um, what is it called? Anybody, I can't remember now. Oh, boy. Um, Andy, you, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I've talked about it in staff meeting. Um, God, I totally blanked. What's that? (laughs) Nah. Anyways, he wrote a book recently, and it has a lot to do with the spirit. I'm sorry, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Super, super good. Super, super good book, okay? Whether you like John Markham or not, you know, here's what I say. You, you 
you can you can, you can buy and you can follow some teachers on on certain topics and then dump out um, what they teach on other things. I used to do that. I do that all the time. Right. I'm a big boy. I can read on my own, and so I'm not afraid to read people who I don't agree with. Right. I, I just simply now some people are like, well, you gotta have discernment. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You do have to have discernment, and uh, so you can have discernment in community. Okay, you can have discernment with the Spirit of God, right? But it's it's okay to read, read things that maybe um, are challenging to you, or that you might not all together agree with, so that you can see if there's anything there that is valid. First Timothy four one. Or hold on, sorry. Worldview, <laughs> thinking and believing the wrong things. So that's their worldview. <clears throat> that's a very very simplistic. I, I I get it. Maybe a bit minimalistic definition of worldview. Okay, essentially how we view the world. Okay. Experience, uh, experimenting and dabbling in witchcraft, the dark arts, tarot cards, horoscope, Ouija boards, Bloody Mary, etc. A lot of people think this is, this is, these things right here are just fun and games. I repeat, they are not. Do not be naive. They are not. They are not, okay? Quickly, Tim. Exactly, demonic, right? Okay, and so those things are not games. Don't don't play with those. That, that's 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 a, it opens a door. Okay, and some people say, well, no, that's silly, Pastor. I think that's kind of silly. It's not a big deal. And I'm, no, 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 it is a big deal, you guys. It's a big deal. Okay. First uh, Timothy four one. The Spirit clearly says that in later times. <laughs> how many of you guys know? I think this is later times right now. Okay. I used to be one like, oh, no, no, no. And I'm, now, like, now, like, when I look at the news, I'm like, no, we're in later times. <laughs> it's like, we're in later times. I'm done with, like, entertaining this. I'm just like, I'm like, come on, man. It's upon us, you guys. Come on. It doesn't make us alarmist or sensationalist to believe that. It's, it's, it's come upon us, you guys. Right? Later times. We'll abandon the faith, what? And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by, who? Demons. Being demons, right? Paul's just like, I'm going to just tell you what like it is. He could have used like, oh, like, you know, really, really good-looking televangelists. He just says, no, nah, just demons. They're, they're just demons, right? <laughs> That's like, Paul's just very, very explicit, okay? I love, I love that, okay? This means that there are, demo- when we talk about worldview, this means that there are demonic beings, I want you to listen to this, that, that influence philosophies, right? Spiritual, religious movements, entire, entire spiritual and religious movements, political movements, false versions of Christianity that affects right, billions of people. There are worldviews uh, dominated in many places over many lives that are demonic in origin, and they're being sustained by the demonic. Okay, So... Um, and again, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to, to believe those things, all right? Let's keep going. As a believer, how much influence can the demonic have in my own life? That's always a, a really uh, a big question that many of us have, okay? Can you go to Luke 13, 10 through 13? This is important that we go here. This was eye-opening to me. I'm going to give you a moment. I'd, I, I, would like, I don't have this on my screen. I, I would like you to, to, to see this.
And I think we're doing pretty good with our time. We're on page three already, so that's pretty good. All right. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Now, I have the NIV, but I know you might have ESV or NASB. <clears throat> on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there. A woman was there. Now, there's no indication that she's not Jewish. Uh, I did a little research. Non-Jewish people were allowed in the synagogue, but there were restrictions upon how much they could participate in, okay? A woman was there who had been what? Crippled by a spirit. Notice that phrase. Crippled by a spirit. This is Luke's observation. Crippled by a spirit. For 18 years, you guys. That's a long time. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And then when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your what? Your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Then he put his hands on her. Oops, sorry. I'm reading it twice. <laughs> Indignant because Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath. The synagogue leaders, leaders said to the people, there are, only, or there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days and not the Sabbath. The Lord answered him. Of course, who, who's complaining? It's the religious people, right? They're like, oh. the, the Lord answered him. Sometimes that happens when you start to, to, to preach about the spiritual realm. So it's the religious people that get really upset. Okay? The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, you play actors, you mask wearers, right? He's like people who wear a mask and are a different person. That wasn't a political statement. Just relax. <laughs> you hypocrite, hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Notice what Jesus says. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, okay, whom Satan has kept bound. Now, now it's coming from the words of Jesus. Whom Satan has kept. He didn't say, well, she just had an ailment in her back or uh, disc number five was out of a uh, uh, She just needed to go to the chiropractor and she'd be okay. No, he says this. Whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years has be set free on the Sabbath day from, from what bound her. Then he said to this, when he said this, sorry, excuse me, all his opponents were humiliated, <laughs> but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing, okay? Now, on your notes, notice what I have here. Verse number 11, in the ESV, which is a little bit more literal, okay, translates that as a disabling spirit. Isn't that interesting? The RSV, which is kind of old school, which is even more wooden, more word for word, translates it as a spirit of infirmity. So I want you to notice that Jesus labels certain spirits. But not just Jesus. The New Testament labels certain spirits. Unclean spirit. Impure spirit. Spirit of fear. Spirit of whatever it is, right? So there are times when those Jesus or other gospel writers label spirits. They, they attribute them to, right, demonic forces, of course, okay? Very, very interesting. So this woman is, is probably a regular synagogue. She's been bound for 18 years by the spirit of what? Of infirmity. She has a medical condition, and it's caused by Satan. She's in right standing with God from what we know, and yet what? 
She has a spirit demon. Huh? I know that's a little controversial to say, but here's what I want you to see. Okay, we naturally think of possession to equal ownership. Okay? This is something John Thompson, I learned from John Thompson. Okay? In the New Testament, um, when we look at the word possessed, okay, when we look at the word possessed, it actually means to have, to be tormented, or to be vexed. So that word possessed is not the greatest of translations, okay? Because we naturally think of possessed means ownership, okay? But the Greeks actually had five different words to communicate ownership, okay? And that word that is used there in the New Testament is not the one that they refer to often, okay? So to be possessed means to, be, to have, to be tormented, or to be vexed. It actually does not mean to be owned by a demon, to be owned by the devil, okay? What's a post-cross example? Post-cross example, we read this, remember, Acts 5? Ananias and Sapphira, I'm going to read it to you. Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, or to Ananias, excuse, excuse me, how is it that what? Satan has so filled your heart. <laughs> now, I've, I've read several commentaries on that Acts 5 passage and pretty much every commentator says that they believe that Ananias and Sapphira are believers. They're not just outsiders. They're not unbelievers that sort of infiltrated the church. But they're believers, but what happened? There's Satan filled their heart. Somewhere along the lines, they were like, man, I, 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 we're not going to tell the truth. right? Selfish gain, whatever it was. Peter just calls it out. Satan has filled your heart. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've kept for yourself some of the money that you receive from the land, okay? Now, I wanna, I wanna, what I want to do is I want to differentiate between upstairs theology and downstairs theology, okay? Upstairs theology, I don't know if I have this on here. Uh, not yet, okay. Upstairs theology simply means this is how God views us. This is the way that God views us, um, the, the way that God views things, okay? Um, for example, Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities. This is what we know has happened in the spiritual realm, uh, that we, when we profess Christ and, and, and our eyes are open, we're owned by Jesus, the Spirit of God fills us, okay? Um, powers and authorities are disarmed. Jesus breaks uh, the power of Satan when he rose from the grave, so we know that. But our downstairs theology is, how, how those things get worked out into our lives, right? How you work it out in everyday life, okay? How you work those things out in everyday life. And I, and, and I want to give you an example from Scripture, from Ephesians 4, uh, 25 through 27, okay? If you have a Bible, go there. I'll show you up here. <clears throat> This is something that um, I just discovered. I was like kind of blown away when I when I discovered this. Um, this is this is pretty fascinating, honestly. All right. Therefore, Paul, right, was be speaking to believers. Now, let, let, let me just give you a context of Ephesians. Ephesians one through three is a very um, kind of tidy letter in the sense that the, Ephesians one through three talks about our position in Christ. Right. You have you have received. You have been given every blessing. 
in the heavenly realm. If you read Ephesians 1 through 3, it is, talks about the believer positionally. This is who we are now. We're seated, heavenly places. We, the, different standing, right? Powerful stuff. Ephesians 4 through 6, how that now begins to work into our lives, okay? So notice now what Paul says. Chapter 4. <laughs> Therefore, each of you believers must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. And then notice what he says. <laughs> In your anger, because we all, we all get angry sometimes, right? In your anger, some, some of you more than others, right? Some of you are more prone to anger. You turn green and your muscles get big, right? You're like, pick up your toys, right? I've been there, right? Okay. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Some Bibles say, do not give the devil an opportunity. I want to talk about verse 27 for just a few moments. The word that's used in verse number 27 for foothold, check this out, is the word tapos. Tapos. It's where we get the word topography. Okay? Are you, uh, topography refers to what? Matt reading, yeah, location, yeah, things like that, yeah, okay? Location or space, actually, okay? Now, check this out. It refers to space in pretty much every case in the New Testament, okay? Space, location, area, okay? So, what if, actually, the wrong, what if we replace that? Do not give the devil... Space. Okay? Think of it like that. Paul perhaps is actually saying that if, if you don't get a hold of your anger, okay, you are opening a door to the demonic. And you're making space for the demonic. And yet, what? You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit, okay? Until the day of redemption. All those things are true. Ephesians 1, read it yourself. Positionally, you are a believer. You are in Christ. You're secure. Your salvation is secure. But in your anger, you create space for the demonic that can open a door. Okay? Here is, I want you to think of this, this illustration, you guys, because this illustration really opened my eyes. Okay? Um, a demonic being will not own you, but it will have impact inside of your life, just like a squatter who moves into a house and destroys the room, but doesn't own the house. Okay, so think of a home. The home has many rooms, has open doors, windows. The home is owned by Jesus. Okay, let's just say that. The home is owned by Jesus. Okay, and, and you live in that home. Okay, but it's owned by Jesus. But you live in that home, and you leave a window open in the middle of the night. Someone sneaks in, right, because uh, they don't have a place to live. Let's just say that. They sneak in, and they don't go anywhere else. They just stay in that room, and maybe they urinate in that room. They, you know, whatever it is, they, they destroy that room. And then all of a sudden, you open the door, and you go in that room, and you're like, whoa, this is a mess. Oh, my goodness, what happened here? And there's a window that's been left open. And guess what? He, he, a demon or, or uh, um, 
darkness has entered into that doorway or that window and now has influenced that room or that area in your life. Okay? It's the same way, okay? It's the idea of the house being owned by Jesus. Where windows and doors have been opened, squatters have snuck in, right? The house is owned by Jesus and yet demons inhabit the house in certain rooms. Your anger problem becomes the door opening event. Now, Paul uses the, 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 the illustration of anger, but you know, you all know that it can be a million different things. Your pornography addiction. Masturbation. Okay? I'm just being real. Um, some sort of evil that you're allowing into your life. Influence. Okay? There's lots of examples. Okay? So can Satan and God occupy the same space? Well, the answer is Yes. Right? Think of Job 1, where they, they're both sort of in the same realm, and Satan just kind of prances in, and God's like, what are you doing around here? Just, you know, hanging out, seeing who I can cause havoc on, right? What about the wilderness? God and Satan in the same, Jesus and Satan in the same space, and having the same space, okay? Paul says, listen, if you don't get a hold of your anger, it's like an opening door in your life, okay? Let's keep going on. I want to move on now. Blank slide. That doesn't help you much, does it? <laughs> to five, five main ways Satan can get access, okay? Because I think this is probably going to be interesting for you. And then, and then I want to give you a very real example. I'm going to make myself vulnerable in my life, okay? <clears throat> five ways Satan gets access. We're almost done, you guys. We're doing great. I appreciate you. Number one, habitual sin. I think this is pretty much common sense, isn't it? Willful disobedience. These are the areas of sin that we're sort of, um, we're diving into right? you know, on our own accord. We're just kind of like, eh, we're participating in it, right? It's, it's, it's the, the, the lustful looks, right? Those types of things. I mean, you, you name it, right? You, you name it. Okay, you're opening a door, okay? There's a lot of different ways. Number two, this is, I'm going to talk about this a lot tomorrow, illicit sex, Tomorrow is a theology of sex. I think I've told you that. Now, with a theology of sex, I'm going to talk about biblical marriage. So just so you know, some people are going to walk out probably in the middle of service, okay? Because we know what biblical marriage is. It's one man, one woman. I just, just to prepare you. Uh-huh. Illicit sex. Two shall become one flesh. I'm going to talk a lot about this. Sex is not just physical, right? It's the powerful union of two opposite sexed people, okay? So illicit sex, that's... That's probably obvious to you, okay? Number three, family agreements. Someone in your family of origin, listen, welcomed it. This could be generational curses and transgressions. Um, It could be things that you yourself are not participating in it, but someone in your family background did open a door to it, okay? Now, I want to give you an example here from my life really quick. Now, I want you to look at your notes really quick. See how I have steps to take in community? I've gone through those steps uh, myself, even just with the Lord, because it's, it's better to do it with community. Um, but I've asked the Holy Spirit in going through these steps. I'll take you through those in a minute. But as I've gone through these steps and, and thought about my own family, and I, I talked to my wife about this, I did some, I really, I said, as Holy Spirit, would you show me where there have been um, welcomed open doors to the demonic. And check this out. I remembered 
that years ago, I had, I had forgotten about this, you guys, that my father, my father had a PhD, so he was very smart. It's where I get some of my academic side from. Um, my father, he was a very learned man. Um, he was a migrant worker, and he worked his way all the way up to, to going through college, to working at a meat factory, uh, uh, to working at GM, to, I mean, he worked, I mean, rags to riches kind of story, for real, is my father. Praise God for that, right? It's so awesome. I'm so proud of my father because of that. Anyhow, I remember that my dad in, in his office had a little Buddha. He had a little Buddha. I mean, it was a, and my mom would get so outraged, like throw that crap away. And he was like, no. And they would go back and forth. She's like, why, why you don't need that crap? You don't. My dad was opening the door to the demonic. Why, why? Because he was evil and demonic? No, no, because he was a very learned man. He loved to learn about world religions. He, but I think he took it too far. I'll be honest with you. He took it too far. He had a, a Buddha on his bookshelf. And I remember looking at it and just kind of like laughing at it and poking it and just, <laughs> you know, as a kid. And then the Lord showed me more. And I kid you not, you guys, the Lord just showed me this literally this week. I had forgotten all about this. My dad also, listen, he also... Um, participated in acupuncture, which acupuncture actually has some roots in Chinese demonic religion. Um, just just uh, take it for what it is, okay? You might laugh at that. You might think it's silly. but that, I think there's some darkness to it, though, okay? So my dad literally would put needles in his head and all over his body, and we'd be like, whoa, that's so cool, Dad. And he's like at these large, right? You guys know what acupuncture is, right? And then my dad would also dabble in hypnosis, so I remember <laughs> me and my brother would try to hypnotize one another, right? Because we thought it was so funny, and it never worked. We're like, dang it, dude. Like, we would, like, do this. Like, well, no, you are falling asleep. We're like, are you asleep? Are you asleep? Come on, man. You got to be hypnotized. And we would try to hypnotize one another. Little did we know, I think there was, a, there was an open door, maybe, to darkness there. I had for, guys, I had forgotten all about that. And so just this week, I renounced that. I closed that door. And I covered it in the, in the blood of Jesus. Amen. You may think it's silly, but I did. I, do, I, I did it. I'm like, and I repented. I said, here's my prayer. Father, I repent for any uh, doors that I have unwillingly participated in, have left open to the demonic and the, dar and, and the darkness. God, right now I close those doors in Jesus' name, not by my power, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross that he took my sin for him, that he was cursed on a tree so that I would not have to be cursed. And three days later, he was victorious over sin, death, and hell. And now he rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father. And so, God, I come to you based upon what Jesus has done, his victory over principalities, authorities, and the darkness and the works of evil that Paul speaks about in Ephesians chapter 6. And I renounce the work of the devil in my life in Jesus' name. Right? And I forgot all about those things in the Holy Spirit. And I told my wife, I was like, have I ever told you about those? We've been married for almost 13 years. She's like, you've never talked to me about hypnosis, acupuncture, and a Buddha. <laughs> and, I had, and the Holy Spirit brought that back to remembrance, you guys. Now, you might call it silly. Man, I call it spiritual warfare, okay? Okay? So I wanted to share that with you uh, in your own uh, Let's keep going. Uh, obviously, again, divination or witchcraft, 
heresy, false teaching, false experiences, the occult, Ouija boards, horoscopes, tarot cards. I think that list can get pretty long, too. Okay, you, you, you can probably keep going there. Okay. Number five, trauma, which is John, um, John Thompson talks about this. Trauma causes an opening moment in your soul. This is equivalent to an open wound, if not properly cleaned and, and attended to. It could be an entry for the demonic. Okay? So take it or leave it. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's interesting. Okay? So we're almost done here. Steps to take in community. Now, um, I think this is actually really wise to do this in community with another believer, of course, not, and they have to be mature. And the reason they have to be a mature believer is because they cannot judge you for things that have gone on in your life. You don't want someone point, uh, pointing the finger at you for things that you may have allowed Satan to get a part of your life. Okay, You need someone who's going to listen, love you, agree with you in prayer, help lead you, not point a finger at you. Okay, you, And you need, to have a, you need maturity of another believer so they don't use that to hang that over your head. Amen? So you need another mature believer, not someone from someone that you work with that doesn't believe in God and they're an atheist or, or you don't know where they're at or they're dabbling in, you know, uh, some other religion, okay? You need a mature believer in Christ. Doesn't have to be a pastor, okay? But someone else, a brother who you trust who's mature, okay? So here we go. Number one, this is what I, this is what I did. Take inventory of your life. What are the recurring issues in your life or the issues that seem to plague your family? Is there a pattern? Okay? And again, you want to do this with, uh, with uh, someone who, who you trust because you don't want someone to say, yeah, I told you. <laughs> That's not the point of this, okay? Okay? I told you you shouldn't have been doing that. I told you you shouldn't be watching that evil movie, right? You, 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 you want someone who's going to love you through it and help you process this, okay? A brother, a sister. It should be, it should, if you're a married couple, do it with another married couple who you trust. If you're a single guy, don't do this with a girl. Do this with another guy, okay? Another man, okay? If you're a woman, or not a woman, but uh, obviously when I taught the women, I told women, make sure you have this another sister in Christ, okay? That you trust, okay? So take inventory. Number two, uh, prayer for reflection. Obviously, that, again, I, I shared that with you. Are any of these doors open? Ask Jesus if there's a door that's been opened. And then let, think about this. Have you forgiven those who have done you harm or, right, or done you wrong? Someone uh, stabbed you in the back. Somebody deserted you. Someone called you a, a bad name. Whatever it is, right? Have you forgiven? Why? Because often, often uh, for unforgiveness and bitterness are open doors. Okay? Open doors. Let's keep going here. Uh, so asking, uh, prayer for reflection, sorry. Number three, sorry. Asking community, I jumped ahead here. Asking community with a pastor, a mature believer, ask, Holy Spirit, how did this walk into my life? Okay. Holy Spirit, how did this walk into my life? Holy Spirit, how did, if you have a love for money and you have a love for the materialistic, that could be something that Satan has bound you. If you're on the opposite side, if you never want to spend any money, you're cheap, you're, too, you're, you're all about worshiping security, that could be a demonic thing as well. Darkness having a hold of your life, okay? How did that step into your life? If you're prone to anger, 
if you're prone to cynicism, if you're uh, prone to lust, you're just like, man, I've battled lust for the last 15 years of my life. I'm trying. Oh, was, was there an open door somewhere um, in your family, right? So ask in community with the Holy Spirit, okay? Let's keep going. Number four, of course, confession and repentance. Confess your sin and close any doors that may have unwillingly been open. Receive forgiveness because Christ wants you to be forgiven. He's forgiven you. He wants to transform your life by his grace. Repent of your sin and forgive every person who has harmed you or done you wrong. Okay. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, number five. We're almost there, guys. Renounce, okay? Instruct the demonic to leave. Instruct the demonic to leave. Many times in Scripture, we, Je- we see Jesus speaking directly to the demonic, okay? John Thompson in his book talks about um, that he's done hundreds and hundreds of deliverances, him and his team. And uh, he's even helped other churches learn uh, this technique that we've gone through somewhat. And he has said that in helping and training other, other pastors, sometimes a demon will manifest when they're in the middle of deliverance. And so he'll tell the pastor, listen, you, you need to now speak to the demonic. So the pastor will say, Jesus, we just pray that this demon will leave. And he'll say, no, no, stop, 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 stop. Speak to the demon. Uh, uh, okay. But Jesus, we pray, God, that you would just send this demon out. Stop, stop, stop right now. Speak to the demon yourself. Are you sure? Yes. And he'll speak to it because the elder or the pastor carries an authority, of course, in Jesus' name, right? And he speaks, and all of a sudden, the, right, there will be opposition or that demon will, will leave that person. It's in, but oftentimes we shy away from that, right? We're like, eh, that's a little, like, that's a little weird. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, right? And, and yeah, you want to use discernment, 100%. There have been times where people have come up to me in prayer after Sunday morning, and no, I don't do this with everyone. Absolutely not. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into the Holy Spirit. There was one, there was somebody, I won't say any names. They, ha- they were cutting themselves. This is a real true story. They were cutting themselves. They had thoughts of suicide. Um, they had a, a view of themselves that was not, that was not biblical. Um, and I felt like there was some sort of demonic stronghold there. And so I prayed for that individual, and I commanded them. I said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you must leave right now, right? And I spoke to the demon. I, you know, and then I, I did it by faith. Nothing manifested, but I felt compelled in my spirit that I needed to speak to the demonic forces and say, by the blood-bought authority in Jesus' name, leave right now. You are not welcome here, right? This person is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. You are not welcome. And so I... I and, and, and that person's mother said, thank you for, for praying so boldly. I needed someone to just pray boldly. Not to say, Lord, we just ask that demons would leave, but to speak to demonic forces, right? Amen. To have authority. Now, we're almost done here. Final thoughts, you guys, okay? Final thoughts. Thank you for, for I told you you'd be gone by 1030, so we're going we're gonna to be, be gone here. Uh, let me just say this really, really quick. 
I want to just say this really quick. Mental illness is real. It doesn't mean that it's demonic, <laughs> okay? So I want you to understand that. Uh, so in other words, seek holistic healing. Uh, their medication may be good for you with deliverance, with a good Christian therapist. That's kind of holistic, okay? Healing doesn't necessarily mean you suddenly got off. You you suddenly go off medication. I'm not a I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not going to say that to you. Okay, biblical counseling can be really really helpful. We must remember that we must remember that we don't just want to treat the condition; we want to treat the person. Okay, and guess what? When the demonic leaves, you're still left with yourself. So we don't just want healing for a condition. We want healing for the whole person. Okay? We don't just want healing for a condition. We want healing for the whole person. We want that whole person to be healed. Okay? Final thoughts. Okay? Final thoughts. There's three things. Number one, um, we must ask, Lord, show me my sin. Just write that down. Lord, show me my sin. Okay? What am I prone to? Okay? Lying, cheating, greed, lust, drunkenness, darkness, envy, jealousy, a critical spirit, judgmentalism. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, okay? What habits do I need to be especially aware of? So ask the Holy Spirit, okay? Show me my sin. Number two, second thought. We need to ask, how have I or am I participating in the systems of the world? And how are my beliefs affected by these worldly systems? I'll say it one more time. That's a lot. How have I or am I participating in the systems of the world? And how are my beliefs affected by these worldly systems? One last time. How have I or am I participating in the systems of the world? And how are my beliefs affected by those worldly systems? Think about the accepted narratives of so many popular movies and TV shows. What agendas do they seem to promote and spread? They are often so accepted that they are subtle. Okay? They're so accepted that they are subtle. Okay? So ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Number three, final thing. God, show me where the demonic is involved in my life. Has a door been opened to demonic influence? You can be sick because you have a cold, but based on the New Testament, there can be a spirit of infirmity as well. Okay. God, show me where the demonic is involved in my life. Has a door been opened to demonic influence? So those five steps that we took in community, okay, if you think back and you see a recurring issue in your life, take steps to go through these steps in community, okay? I've done this, I've done this with people, okay? And, and don't, you, don't say it's going to be a five-minute thing. Take an hour or two hours, maybe. 
I've done, my wife and I have done this with, with other people. It's been powerful. Tears, confession, repentance. There's no, we're, we're not condemning them. No, no, no way, no way. I, I'm reading scripture over them. The Holy Spirit is showing me scripture. I'm, I'm replacing lies with truth. We're praying over them. We're speaking the word of God over them. It, it, we're, 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 we're taking inventory of our lives, right? And we're now closing doors to past demonic forces maybe that, that we unwillingly participated with. Um, it can be a very, very powerful thing. Um, and I believe it's a very real thing as well, okay? So we're going we're gonna to wrap up. I'm going to pray for you guys. And um, I'll be here. We, we, we can talk more. Um, if this is something that you think that you want to do, like you want to go through, um, I'm willing to do it, maybe not today or right now, but I'm willing to take time with you to do that. Um, or Andy, Troy, or Bill could, could go through that with you, this process where we take inventory prayerfully, um, fast, 24 hours before going into it, or 12 hours, right? And maybe, maybe you feel like there's something going on. I, I'm not going to answer that for you, okay? Ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. Um, but I do believe that God can, can break bondages in your life and set you free, right, from things. And uh, it's powerful. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for today. And, Father, I pray that whatever words were not mine would fall to the ground and your word would stick, God. Lord, we love you, and we know, God, we're not worried about our salvation necessarily, God, because we know what Ephesians 1 says. It says that we have been positioned, um, we have been seated in, uh, in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Jesus has won the victory for us. We didn't do it for ourselves, God. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus himself has, has stripped all powers and authorities, um, spiritual forces of evil. Uh, he, he has stripped them of their powers and has claimed a victory. And we thank you for that, God. So, Father, I pray that the men of this church uh, could take this teaching, perhaps begin to apply it to their own lives, maybe, maybe even in a loving way introduce it to their wives, uh, maybe take their own families through it, perhaps, or maybe, Father, they would team up with another couple from church uh, who desperately need uh, counsel, care, love, compassion, deliverance, God. And, and they, would, they would partner with them in, in helping them to become free, God. So, God, use this teaching to set captives free, God. It's not for any man's glory. It's only for your glory, God. Lord, as we walk in obedience, as we walk in the victory that you've promised us, God. We lay hold to that. Claim, we claim that, Lord. And again, it's nothing that we've done, Lord. Uh, it's every, but it's everything that you have done on the cross at Calvary, Lord. You secured our victory, our freedom, uh, because of what, a, what Jesus has done. And so, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you open men's eyes I pray, God, that even today they would begin to take inventory of their own lives. Perhaps begin to look at their past, even their family of origins, and just simply ask the Holy Spirit, is there a door that's been opened? Are there lies I'm believing about myself? 
Are there lies I'm believing about? Maybe even a good friend of mine. They're unfair. They've held me in bondage. They've, they've put me in chains. Holy Spirit, would you begin to show me? I want to become free of these things. And so, God, would you use this teaching again for your glory, God, and for uh, the deliverance of captives within our own church and within this community? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.